begin in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and then from there, I'm feeling led tonight to move over into Luke, the 17th chapter. So we'll look at least at those two passages. Amen. I know we've got some guests with us tonight. Welcome. We're honored that um, you chose to be with us. Amen. I talked to a lot of pastors out at the conference in Texas, and, and um, it seems like more and more churches are, are canceling their, their, their Sunday night services. Amen. And that's, you know, that's between them and the Lord. And, and um, I know sometimes, you know, we have, a, um, you know, sometimes not as many as we have on Sunday morning, let's just say it that way. But um, I love these Sunday night services. Of course, um, Prophet Donald Ballard, you know, let us know that the Word makes it very clear that there's a special blessing reserved for those who worship God at night. Amen. And um, so we stand on that and many other verses. So, uh, but thank you for being here, and I believe Father has some good things in store for you. Philippians chapter 3, let's look at verses 7 and 8. It says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now, if you understand a little bit about the man who wrote these verses, basically this is his testimony. Um, he had considered a lot of things very important in his life, things that he had committed himself to wholeheartedly, things that he had went above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak, when it came to the Jewish religion. And yet it was all of these things that the Apostle Paul now counted as loss, counted as garbage, as nothing, willingly turned loose of those things so that he might gain Christ. Now, if we read these verses without an understanding of what the New Testament teaches, we might have a tendency to think that the only way to gain Christ is through our own efforts and sacrifices. And that is absolutely not what the Bible teaches. We know that those who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. We know that the New Testament is not about what we do, but about believing in what's been done for us. It's not about our love for Him, but about His love for us. Amen. And the gift of righteousness that Jesus paid such a high price for us to have and has now given to us. So, in order to understand fully what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, you have to understand first and foremost that anyone who has been born again has been uh, given a new spirit, has had the spirit of the living God come and dwell within them, and then your new spirit and the spirit of the living God have become one spirit. Amen. In other words, he's in you. You have received him. And the Bible says those that he come to live in, he will live in forever. Amen. So when Paul says that he's sacrificed these things, walked away from these things, turned loose of these things in his life so that he may gain Christ, he's talking about this vital experience. Amen. Now, one of the ways that we try to explain the difference between the legal side of salvation and the vital side of salvation is to use the comparison of a, of a marriage. So for instance... A man and a woman can be legally married 
and in every sense of the law, to the letter of the law, be married. Amen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they enjoy one another's company. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're very close and that they share uh, uh, you know, their lives with one another. So we see that the, the, to be legally married is one thing. I know people who are legally married, they don't even live under the same roof. Amen. Or oh me, but that's the truth. Does it mean they're not married? Well, no, by the letter of the law, they're married. But the vital aspect of that, in other words, the daily aspect of that, is something that they are not experiencing, or can we say it this way, they're not enjoying. So there are a lot of people who've been married to Christ. There's a lot of people who've become one with the Lord through salvation. But just because you've become one with Him through salvation, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're enjoying on a daily basis your relationship with the Lord. One of the things that Paul emphasized in, in his earthly ministry, and he talked about it throughout the epistles, the letters, the parts of the New Testament that he wrote, is this whole idea of the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of our daily lives. This is what he's talking about here. Things that he turned loose of so that he might gain this intimacy, this personal relationship, this daily walk, this closeness, with the Lord Jesus. Now, turn with me to Luke, the 17th chapter. Luke chapter 17, and we'll begin at verse number 11. I want to show you a real example of someone who counted something as loss in order to gain Christ. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. <clears throat> it says this, Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, and the he here, of course, is speaking of Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that phrase, As they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? The King James Version says, Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The word translated well here, I like the King James version of this better. It's a more accurate translation in my opinion. And there it's translated whole. Your faith has made you whole. One of the problems that Father has had throughout all of his relationships with mankind is that when people discover him, 
the tendency is for them to seek His hand. The tendency is for them to go to Him as God, as this greater being, this greater one, for help. For Him to fix things that are broken in their lives, for Him to give answers uh, to uh, uh, you know, difficult situations um, in their lives, for Him to provide resources when they're coming up short, when there's some kind of sickness or some kind of diagnosis. I'll never forget back in, um, I guess it was the what early 90s when um, the Desert Storm 1 uh, broke out. Uh, you know, we came to church on a Wednesday night and the building was packed. I was like, who are all these people and where do they come from? I had no idea that because the nation now was at war, there were people who considered themselves to be members of that church that hardly ever came. All of a sudden now there was a crisis and they felt the urgency to get close to God. Now I'm not knocking that, please hear me, I'm not belittling that, it just was really surprising to see that many people at church on a Wednesday night. But again, this has been the situation time and time again where people turn to God, they go to God, but they stop at His hand in the sense that they're only trying to do whatever they have to do to get God to do something for them, to help them in some way. The real prize is not His hand, but His face. The real prize is not what He can do for you, but who He is. The real prize is not in knowing about what His capabilities are, but the real prize is in knowing who He is as a person, as an individual, as a personality. Father longs for you to know Him the way He knows you. He longs for you to long for Him. He wants you to want Him. He wants you to know Him. He's not just interested in you coming to Him in crisis in your life and get a little help from Him and then you go and make your own way until you can't make your own way any longer and you come back to Him once again for help. He's wanting to walk with you every moment, every day of your life. He's wanting you to learn of Him and know Him and have the confidence and the peace and the joy that only comes in a person's life through having that kind of walk, that kind of vital experiential relationship with Him on a daily basis in your life. I offer to you tonight that Jesus has given you the gift of righteousness, right standing with God the Father so that you can now be in right relationship with Him. Right standing is of necessity because apart from right standing, it's impossible for you to be in right relationship. So He gave you the right relationship not just for righteousness' sake, but He made you righteous so that you could have the opportunity to walk closely with God throughout your life here on this earth and then on into eternity. Now, what we see here in Luke the 17th chapter, ten men who had leprosy. Leprosy is a disease that attacks the central nervous system. It causes people to lose feeling in their outer extremities. And because of that, it's... It's, it's, a, it's a very grotesque disease and it has a tendency um, over time to bring tremendous disfigurement to the human body. Under the Old Testament law, 
Um, lepers were outcasts. They were outsiders. If they came into a public place, they had to ring a bell and signifying that they were unclean and the crowds would part to let them through. We often say in our vernacular, they treated me as if I had leprosy. Do me a favor. Don't ever make that ignorant statement again, all right? You may have been rejected in your life, but I promise you, you've never been treated like someone who had leprosy. What these people endured is unimaginable. Since no one understands a leper like another leper, lepers often congregated in colonies, so it was not strange for there to be ten of them in a group together. Now, what I want you to see tonight is that somehow, some way, these ten men heard about Jesus. They knew something about Jesus. Somehow they knew about Him and somehow included in what they knew about Him was that He had at least rumored to have the ability to cleanse people of leprosy. To fix people who had leprosy. To somehow dry up the leprosy that was in people's bodies. And so the Bible says that they cried out to Jesus for help. And notice it says that they stood, verse number 12, they stood afar off. So there is some distance between them and Jesus. And that distance is more than spatial. In other words, it's more than just a distance between them and Jesus physically, but that distance is also inwardly in the sense that what they know about Him is very, is very little. We have no record that Jesus was going to seek these men out, but instead, because of what these men knew about Him, they sought Him out. They cried out to Him for help, and then Jesus answered them and told them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now again, in order to understand why Jesus would have told them that, you have to understand the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law concerning a leper is that if a leper believed that they were cleansed or healed of their leprosy, somehow they had gotten over their leprosy, they couldn't just return back to their families. They couldn't just return back into society. They had to first go to a priest, be quarantined, be examined, be given a clean bill of health, offer sacrifices to God, and then go back into society after that and only after that. So they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when He said, go show yourselves to the priests. Now it's interesting that it wasn't until they turned to go to the priests that they actually experienced their healing. So for sake of this message, let's just pretend Jesus is over there and the temple and the priest are that way. And they're facing towards Jesus and they're crying out to Jesus, have mercy on us, help us, little help over here please. And Jesus says, 
go show yourselves to the priests. Now, if they'd have looked down at their hands, there'd have still been all the postules and all the that horrible stuff that leprosy does to a person's body. In other words, that would have still been on there. It was when they turned and went, began to go towards the priest, that they were cleansed of their leprosy. So what's the difference? It's faith, right? They heard His Word. They acted on His Word in faith. I don't know if they said, okay, you know, I've got my Brother Hagen book out, and so the next thing for me to do. I don't know if they knew any of that or not, but what happened here was faith. They heard the Word. They evidently believed it because if they hadn't believed it, they would have never done it, right? I don't know if they were expecting to be cleansed as they went. Perhaps they were expecting to go and sit there for a few weeks and, and the priest quarantine them and, and he'd say, well, yeah, okay, guys, go. I don't know what they were thinking. But as they went, they were cleansed. Guess what? They just learned something else about Jesus. They just learned something this time experiential. What they had heard before was theoretical. What they had heard before, they had heard other people say about Him. Now they haven't just heard about Him, but they have experienced Him. They have heard Him. They have received from Him. They have experienced something from Him. Let me say it another way. They have tasted of Him, and they have now experienced for themselves that He is good. So away they go, ten of them in a cloud of dust. But one of the ten breaks from the pack. I don't know how it went. I kind of, Pastor Hawaf, I kind of imagined it something like this. They were all going together. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you, you, me too? Me, how about my face? No, it's gone from your face, man. You know, and those, they were like looking at each other, checking each other out, you know, and just, just so excited. Can you imagine the joy, right? Can you imagine how, how exuberant they were in that moment as, they, as they're now going to the priest, cleansed of their leprosy? The nightmare is about to be over. All of a sudden, one of them starts. Slow down. One of them starts stopping, and the other nine keep going ahead of him. And one of them looks back, and when he look back, they're like, "Come on, dude, where are you?" And he's like, "Yeah, y'all go ahead if you want to." It's like, "Come on, man, y'all, right? you need us to help you." you need... No, 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 y'all, y'all, y'all go ahead. There's something more important right now than my healing. There's something more precious right now than me going back to hug my wife again. There's an opportunity that I may never have again. I'm not about to go chase down some priest. I'm about to go chase down this Jesus. The Bible says that he went and he fell at his feet as though he were dead. Can I tell you what I believe that was, Michael? I believe flat out, right? I mean, if somebody's dead, they're not like on their knees. A dead man is sprawled out on the ground, right? Fell at Jesus' feet as though he were dead and began to worship him. Now, this word worship, it means to kiss. 
And I know the easy thing is, well, maybe he was kissing Jesus' feet or kissing Jesus' ankles. No, no, listen to me, please. You have to understand what it means to worship. To kiss in, in their culture was a sign of respect. It was, a, it was a sign of recognition. In other words, two men who were equals would kiss one another on the lips. One man who felt that the other was just above him in rank would kiss uh, in greeting someone on the cheek. That's why the Bible says in Scripture for brothers, Christian brothers, to greet one another with a holy kiss, that, that we're equals. Now we shake hands and high five and fist bump, and that's all right with me. But I'm just trying to help you see here what he's talking about. But in other cases, folks would kiss someone on the hand. Or in cases of where someone was like a servant or a slave, they may literally bow down and kiss someone on the foot. What's the point? The point is, true worship is when you recognize who Jesus is and who you are in relationship to Him. Are you following me? See, we sometimes have this idea that worship is when the music slows down. Praise is when the beat's going. But now after we've praised for a little while, let's slow it down in worship. Well, worship doesn't have anything to do with tempo. It has to do with recognition. It has to do with you recognizing who He is and who you are in relationship to who He is. So when this man fell at his feet and worshipped Him, it doesn't necessarily mean that he sang a song. It doesn't necessarily mean that he lifted his hands or danced. No, no, no. Worship in this sense, I believe he was expressing adoration. Don't misunderstand me. But the attitude of his heart was, I recognize who you are and I recognize who I am in relationship to who you are. Now, key words there, who you are, as opposed to what you can do. The nine who were still kicking up a cloud of dust just about out of sight learned a little bit about what he could do. The one came back and fell at his feet because he recognized and desired to know who he was. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I know how the devil works. I believe when he broke from the pack and began to consider going and returning to Jesus, that the enemy had to have planted in his head, if you don't do what he says, that leprosy is going to come back on you. Right? Come on now. He's going after Jesus. He's got leprosy. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. He turns and does what Jesus says, and the leprosy leaves him. Now he's thinking about disobeying what Jesus said, not going to the priest, but going to Jesus. This is actually going to be breaking a law from the Bible to go and touch Jesus. He's unclean. 
He's not only going against what Jesus said, he's going against what God said through Moses. You don't think the devil tried to talk him out of that? You don't think there was fear? You don't think there was a thought that if I do this, I may, I may offend him, I may show him disrespect, I may have disobeyed and be in trouble. My goodness, a man with this kind of power, there's no telling what he may do to me. But notice, he counted all that as loss in order to gain Christ even if it was only going to be a few minutes at his feet. Here's what we have in this story, okay? We got people who have heard about him and we got people who know about him. You know, because of what they've heard other people say. What they've seen other people do. Then we see another category of folks and, and these, these are basically the nine lepers that they learn a little bit more. They get a little bit of, of his ways. They, they begin to understand faith. They, they cry out to him in desperation and he answers them and, and now all of a sudden, let's just say it this way, things start to get a little bit better in their lives. No one misunderstand me, all right? We are absolutely positively committed to and going after people who do not know the Lord. We do that here. We do that through the foundry. We do that through a host of ministry partners that are stationed in some very difficult and some very challenging and some very hostile and some very dark places in the world. Dare say in a crowd this size on a Sunday night, every person in here has been born again. If that is not the case, then by all means do not leave this room until you have received the greatest gift that's ever been offered to you. But the overwhelming majority of people Help me say this right, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> if you are in the category of people who only know about the Lord, then our desire is for you to respond to Him in some way in your life that will enable you to experience him in a deeper way. If you are in the category of people who have already experienced him in a deeper way, in other words, you, you knew about him, you've come to him, you have received from him, then if you are in that category of people, then, then what we're trying to do here tonight, what we're trying to do here in 2018 and beyond, what we've been trying to do for 20 years now, and are going to continue to do until Jesus comes back, but just hear me, please, is for those of you who have received from Him in some way to be like the one who broke from the pack 
and goes and falls at his feet to know him. Not just his hand, but him. Not just his power, but his person. Hallelujah. You see, we're supposed to trust him with all our hearts. Lean not to our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways and let him direct our paths. It sounds good. We cross-stitch it. We've, we've got it emblazoned on our refrigerators and car keychains and all this other stuff, right? But why do people have such a hard time trusting him with all their hearts? Because they don't know him. Because they don't know him. If they know him at all, they know him from a distance. If they know him at all, they know him because of what other people have said about him, what other people have experienced from him, what they've heard other people say about their relationship with him. If they know him at all, they, they know him because he did something for them at some point in the past in their lives. Paul said... I've looked at all the different parts and pieces of my life. I've sat back and I've examined. We're going to talk about this more next Sunday morning, but let me just finish this right here, please. He said, I've sat back and I've examined anything and everything that has to do with me and with my life and with how I spend my money, with how I spend my time, with where I commit my resources, with um, what I do uh, publicly, what I do privately. And, um, and he says, I've gone through it part by part, piece by piece. And I've considered it all in light of whether or not this contributes to me knowing him or whether or not this hinders me knowing him. Are you following me? In other words, Paul said there are all kinds of good things in my life, but they do not contribute to me knowing him. Therefore, he chunked them overboard. Because the greatest prize is knowing him. C.S. Lewis said it this way. I love him at the same time for his complexity and simplicity. He said, if you want to get warm, you've got to get close to the fire. And if you want to get wet, you've got to get in the water. And Father has so much for you Vitally speaking, life experience speaking, that you will never experience until you get close to Him. I told you that I liked the King James Version of that last verse that we read out of Luke. Do you realize Jesus told this man, He said, Go your own way 
Your faith has made you whole. In other words, he didn't go to the priest. He didn't have to go to the priest. You see, it's one thing to be cleansed from leprosy, but it's another thing to be made whole from leprosy. To be made whole means that there was no evidence remaining that he had ever had leprosy. Therefore, no one could question whether or not he had gone through the old covenant rituals to be recognized as one cleansed from leprosy because as far as Jesus was concerned and anybody who saw him, he never had leprosy to begin with. Do you realize this means that if he was missing fingers, his fingers would have returned. If he was missing a nose or an ear, his nose and his ear would have been creative miracles replaced back on his face. The, the scars and, and, the, and, the, and the sores and the wounds and, and the disfigurement, all of that would have been made well at the feet of Jesus. Nine settled for being clean. One chose to fall at Jesus' feet and found wholeness there. One chose to draw near to the fire. I know I got to quit, but just listen to me for a minute. Come on now. If, if from a distance he healed their leprosy, can't you imagine what's going on in this guy's head? You realize that in those days, under the old covenant, people recognized that if you got close enough to the power of God, it could kill you. Slap dead kill you. Could you imagine this guy? He's running to Jesus the whole time he's thinking, I'm getting closer to the source that just healed my leprosy from 100 yards. Hopefully I can get up enough steam that if I pass out before I get there, I'll roll to his feet. <laughs> there are things in your life that you will experience from knowing him that you cannot experience any other way. This doesn't come any other way. The same Jesus that cleansed all ten of them wanted to make all ten of them whole. He asked, did he not ask? Where are the other nine? The other nine settled for his hand. But one came after his face. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's bowed and eyes closed. I brought it up in the message, so let me ask you tonight. Have you received this Jesus? Have you received the salvation that he paid the ultimate price for you to have? The Bible plainly declares, describes Jesus' 
virgin birth, his sinless life, his death upon the cross, not because of any wrong that he had done, but he died on that cross for you and for me, for my sin and for yours. They laid him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he was raised up from the dead by God the Father. He was seen by many for 40 days and then returned to the right hand of God the Father. But just before he departed this earth, he said, the way you see me leave, one day you will see me return in like manner. That, my friend, is the gospel in a nutshell. And everything that he did on this earth, he did not to make himself right, but to make you right and me right before God the Father. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor Mark, I've never received that gift. I've never received for myself what Jesus did for me, but I would like to do that tonight. Could I see your hand, please? Just lift your hand very quickly. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Man, my heart's beating fast here. I just feel like there's somebody else. I'm not trying to drag this out. Anybody else? You say, Pastor, I've never been born again, but tonight's my night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brothers. I'm going to ask you all to come, please. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. Come on. Come on. Give them a hand as they come. Come on. Come on, brother. Come on, man. It's all right. Come on. Come on, brother. I'm not. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. Come on. There's some other guys going to come on with them. Amen. Come on with them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're all going to pray it together, but I just, amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Everyone praying together. You guys pray with me. Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you tonight for loving me and for never giving up on me and for bringing me to this moment I ask you tonight, Father, to forgive me for my sin and to take it from me. I confess with my mouth that I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that you, Father, have raised him from the dead. And because I'm calling now upon him to receive his salvation, I believe that I've been raised up with Jesus to a new life. So cleanse me and help me. Lead me and guide me. I commit myself to you the way you've committed yourself to me. And I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're here tonight. You just lift your hand. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm hurting in my body. I need, I need physical healing in my body. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand. All right, if it's... If it's somewhere it's appropriate, put, put your hand wherever you're hurting. If it's obviously not appropriate or something that you're wanting to keep a secret, just put your hand on your heart. Amen. Amen. Father, Jesus is in this room tonight.
And He is present to heal. And Father, healing is our birthright. Healing is what Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to have. And I thank You, Father, now that healing is being released into my brothers and my sisters' bodies. I thank You, Father, that we don't have to be sick. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to be in pain because Jesus, You suffered and You were sick and You were in pain for us. And so, Father, we release healing now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me during praise and worship that, that there's someone in here, you've been having problems with your gallbladder. Problems with your gallbladder. If that's you, just lay your hand on, on your abdomen. Amen. You may already be doing that. Father, we release healing now. Lord, our spirit, soul, and body is a portal through which healing can pass from eternity into time and space. And we call gallbladder healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If that, if that was you, you say, Pastor Mark, that was me on the gallbladder. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, praise God. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you tonight for the things that we've heard. Thank you tonight, Father, for the things that we've received. Thank you, Father, more than anything for these two brothers who have received the gift of your salvation. I thank you, Father, that although every devil in hell tried to stop them, they couldn't. And right now, Father, those devils may be trying to tell them that nothing happened, but they're lying to them now because, Father, they passed from death to life in front of our very eyes. So, Lord, we pray for them. We lift them up. And, Father, we pray for every person in this room Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we go into the life that you created us to live boldly, Father. Lord, we go into the week ahead boldly, Lord, to work, to school, to home, to community, Father. We go boldly to represent you and to live the life that you created us to live. We thank you for it. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Get